Hurry into Old Navy Saturday for 50% off all swimwear, $2 tanks for her, and free flip-flops when you spend $50 or more in-store. This Saturday only at Old Navy, valid 323. Limit five tanks. Select tanks and flip-flops only. Free gift in-stores only. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Who Ya Got. My name is Dayton Hammond. And I'm Mac Schaefer. Mac will be filling in for Jay this episode. And for those of you who are first-time listeners, Who You Got is about creating brackets for things that don't normally have brackets. Mac, could you tell our lovely listeners the definition of a bracket? A bracket, is, or tournament bracket, is a tree diagram representing a series of games played in a knockout tournament. Thank you, sir. Each episode, we'll create a bracket for a specific topic and determine the best of that topic through a series of debate matchups. Now, in addition to Mac and myself debating the topic, we will have a guest each episode. This episode, we have the man himself, Ram Zima. What is going on, everybody? I'm super excited to be here. I know we had to do some sort of makeshift episode, kind of do some substitutions, but I'm super excited, and we have a really good episode on tap, so I'm glad to be the moderator. Awesome. Thanks for being here, Graham. We appreciate your time. Now, as you know, there are a couple rules associated with your role as moderator. Only a few. We're going to have some fun here today. So, there are 10 minutes allotted to each matchup in this bracket-style discussion. And if Mac and I cannot come to a consensus on that matchup, you will choose the winner based on our arguments, not your own preferences. And you are welcome to jump in anytime with your own arguments and comments if you so desire. Awesome. I am looking forward to it. So we're going to get to the big announcement then. What our topic is for this month's episode. Can I get a drum roll? Ah! It's 1990s Nickelodeon cartoons. Oh, yeah. Yes, so we will be debating eight Nickelodeon cartoons, seeing which among them is the best, and will be grand the best, Pickelodeon. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Let it be known that I did not confirm that it was grand before we started Oh my goodness. That is fantastic, though. Good. I'm glad you enjoy it. So, let's take a look at our bracket here. As I mentioned, we will be debating eight shows, and in our first matchup, we have the number one seed, Ren and Stimpy, against the number eight seed, Catdog. Hmm. In our second matchup, we have the number four seed, Rocket Power, against the number five seed, Doug. In our third matchup, we have the number two seed, Hey Arnold, against the number seven seed, Rugrats. And then in our final quarterfinal matchup, we have SpongeBob at the number three seed against the number six seed, the Wild Thornberries. Hmm. We should probably mention that those seedings are completely random. Yeah. Definitely. Just for funsies. <laughs> just for yeah. funsies. We just gave them numbers for the sake. <laughs> but yeah, this should, this should be a ton of fun. Mac, do, do you have any relationship with Nickelodeon cartoons in the 1990s? Sort of. Um, I would watch, when they released Rugrats episodes on VHS, I'd watch oh, those. Great. Um, although when, when we finally got cable, I was more of a Cartoon Network kid. Oh, yeah. That being said, there was still... Um, Oh, there you go. Okay, fantastic. <clears throat> um, aside from that, like my baby, when I go to my babysitter's place. We would watch Rocket Power. We'd watch. <sighs> we watched all of them. We watched Cat Dog and. Oh yeah. 
early SpongeBob when it was good. You know, oh, okay. good stuff. Well, we'll get into that. I I, I very very had a very similar relationship with Nickelodeon. I grew up a PBS kid. My yeah. my, my family didn't have cable or dish until I was uh, nearly in high school. So you know, experienced a lot of these shows through through babysitters, through friends, and that sort of thing. And then once the sort of nostalgia kick that's around us constantly nowadays came around, people started rewatching these shows and sharing memes and stuff all the time went back to some of these shows and realized that they're really quite remarkable. It's, uh, I think we're gonna have a lot of fun discussing Definitely. these. Not to get too off topic, but what was your favorite PBS show growing up? Arthur. Fantastic choice. I mean, that's a pretty simple choice in a lot of cases. <laughs> I mean, it's, there's yeah. a reason why it's like, why it's like the face of that, uh, that channels programming, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's great. It's you know what was super show. underrated was, uh, I don't, was it on PBS between the lines? Oh, that was that, oh, come and read between the yeah. lines. I totally just got like someone shared that intro. Like, remember this show uh, a few weeks ago, and I was like, oh my god, I watched the hell out of that show, but I haven't heard about it ever since. I referenced the cliffhanger bit all the yes. time. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, it's the best. But dang. Yeah. So it, yeah, it's it's cool to be going back to some of these shows and discussing how they uh, affected us, some of our friends growing up, and uh, we're gonna have a good time. So, shall we jump into our very first matchup? Let's do it. Gentlemen, 10 minutes is on the clock starting right now. Okay, so this matchup is Ren and Stimpy versus CatDog. Mac, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm definitely... (laughs) I'm definitely going to be Ren and Stimpy on this one. Yeah, um, same. Just because the the story behind it and this, the fact that it's all hand-drawn animation and how every single frame is... like there was, a, there was a video essay I saw that was really fascinating about Ren and Stimpy and just how how really brilliant it was for its oh, yeah. time. Yeah, was it that nerd writer it's piece? It's exactly that one. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, that's that's what really sticks out with me about Ren and Stimpy. I mean, I, I think that's my pick for this matchup as well, is just that incredible animation. It is just bursting with energy. It has a lot of slapstick to it, which naturally harkens back to some of the classics like Looney Tunes. Yeah. And at the same time, they're always like very recognizable characters, even though they play with the models so much. Yeah. Like they warp Ren's face when he's extremely pissed off and, yes. and, and Stimpy is just like mashed and, and just so malleable as a character model. It's just, it's fantastic. It's a real Marvel to watch. And if I, anybody knows me, they know that I'm basically Stimpy and <laughs> just, yes, I can attest to that. You can attest to that. <laughs> I yeah. think you're all missing out on the fantastic introduction that cat dog had each and every cat episode. dog super <laughs> memorable i couldn't even i couldn't even begin to tell you what the ren and stimpy intro was and i know somebody who's listening is probably screaming it right now to me but to be fair it's just like improv jazz i think it was the show <laughs> yeah um so yeah maybe that, that that is a definite weakness i think of ren and stimpy, stimpy is that it's just it's introduction is nothing memorable and i think introductions were important to those shows it's they weren't just like the commercial beforehand they they really mattered in hooking kids in right there's the reason that they have like those kind of compilations on youtube of all the most memorable uh cartoons from the 90s like their introductions and their theme songs is because they were like as much of the show in as or like in the same way that the the stories were so um yeah i never got into the ren and stimpy theme i couldn't even tell you what it was off the top of my head so i'm glad that you clarified it for me dayton just just improv jazz (laughs) improv jazz it's uh, i mean it's it's cool It, it it somehow fits the 
energy that Ren and Stimpy has. Right, definitely. So it's not inappropriate for the show, but it's nothing special necessarily. Yeah. Um, but another element of Ren and Stimpy that cannot be ignored is just how ridiculously grotesque and hilarious it is. It's just having these close-up expressions of some of these characters and seeing how much is in it, like how much is being expressed. Like there's this great shot um, in one episode where Ren and Stimpy are about to go skinny dipping. And mm-hmm. Ren has this look on his face and is like, he has a furrowed brow. Part of his lips is uh, is pursed. And it's it's like, it's just like there's so much in it. And there's so much to unpack about what that character is feeling in that moment. Um, it's boredom. It's frustration. It's tiredness with his, his rapscallion of a friend. It's it's a joy to watch. And really, even though the show is fast paced, you can slow down, pick a frame and just decipher it and just unpack it. It's great. Definitely. Who, who created Ren and Stimpy? Uh, I cannot pronounce his name. <laughs> totally um, fair. Yeah, he, he is a really ridiculous last name. And unfortunately, he's gotten into some trouble over the past couple months. Um, but he, he was definitely a, a bit of a demented mind <laughs> to create that show. It is just challenging the, the censors constantly. Yeah, um, and then like how... Like the first two seasons, I think, are the ones that are like the most absurd and wacky. And oh, then, yeah. then by like season three and four, they kind of they started to tone it down for yeah. for 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 a more of a kid based. Even though like right. the show was made for kids, but the people who were really watching it were like college students oh, yeah. and older people, older people who just thought this stuff is insane and absurd and amazing. Yeah, people who were our age at that time were having like viewing parties and everything like yeah. that. It was crazy, and uh, I, I I think absurd is a great choice of word because personally i think powdered toast man is just like an absurdist art <laughs> masterpiece i there there that clip where he appears where they sort of ren Sibby sort of have that pseudo commercial for powdered toast is just hilarious because it takes it, it slows down quite a bit compared to the rest of the show and just gives you a moment to take in this muscular man in the leotard with a toast head it's fantastic i yes. love it uh do you have any thoughts on Cat Dog? Any reason that we should reconsider? Well, I think Cat Dog is. I can't remember. Was it one of the like original? It wasn't one of the original shows, right? It came out like the later nineties, right? I think the original three were Rugrats, Ren and Stimpy, and Doug. Okay, those were the three originals. So Cat Dog came along. Five a minutes bit on later. the clock. Okay. Oh shit. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so Cat Dog came along a little bit later, but yeah, yeah. I think. Um, Again, I can't really remember like any like episodes that really like stick out in my head. Right. All I can remember is the theme song. That's the only thing I can really remember. Yeah, and that carries some weight to it. But I think uh, Ren and Stimpy really had those those really memorable episodes. I think the Happy Happy Joy Joy song is something that was just ingrained into our heads. Yes. Um, just a terrifying sequence, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at Cat Dog, I. My problem with it is that it doesn't do anything new with the whole cat-dog animated dynamic thing. You know, the cat is conniving and um, pseudo-evil, and the dog is sort of dim-witted and impulsive and that's sort of it, and then they get into (laughs) shenanigans. That dynamic really isn't pushed with the show. So that's that's why it doesn't really match up to Ren and Simpy for me, because they really took the buddy dynamic and just blew it out of the water. It's it's absolutely nuts. Definitely. So, yeah. I'm trying to think of anything else. Uh, like I, I'm even having 
Because I was vouching for that theme song earlier. I couldn't <laughs> even tell you what happened in the cat-dog episode. Um, I, I do remember that kind of dynamic and it never really working for me as a kid. Yeah. Uh, which is really interesting as a kid to notice something like that. Like, I'm not really buying this right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's fine. It's serviceable. It's, yeah. It, 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 it makes for a good children's cartoon. Right. Um, I, I don't think it's a bad show by any means, but it didn't challenge the medium like Ren and Stimpy <laughs> That's really That's a good did. point. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think we can, maybe we can look at some of the side characters as well. I really like the greaser dogs in Cat Dog. I think those are the, oh, those yes. three are really fun. Uh, I really love uh, the tiny one, Shriek. Her design is really adorable, and it's, it's fun that she has a, a crush on Dog. He's completely oblivious to it. And Cat likes her and he's literally attached it's it is so it it plays with the whole crush in a fun way it takes advantage of the physical comedy of uh, their main characters literally being attached at the hips and then incorporating a classic sort of love triangle into it so that in that way it's kind of unique okay provides that but uh and there is one joke that i remember from cat dog that really stuck with me i thought was hilarious so there's one episode where Cat dog, they go into like a butt emporium to try to find <laughs> new butts. I remember butts. that. It's fantastic. I remember and, that episode. And Holy shit. the butt that cat wants to get is Garfield's butt. Not even kidding. <laughs> it's so funny. You just, it's like there's this other patron in there who's exchanging his butt, and he currently has a Garfield <laughs> butt, and he's, he's, he's trading it in. Uh, it's hysterical. Uh, wow. So I, I wish it had more moments like that where it's it, it sort of played with the audience a little bit and knowing what they know and that sort of thing. But it's a good, it's, it's a good time, but not just the visceral experience that watching Ren and Stimpy is. True. Yeah, that's true. That's the thing too, about like any, well, I mean, cartoons in general, but especially in the nineties and early two thousands is there was this definite, like, line in the sand between shows that were pushing the boundaries a little bit and really challenging people. And on the other side, there were the shows kind of like cat dog that were pretty conservative and safe and really way more meant for kids. Like you were mentioning how Ren and Stimpy was very much appealing to older demographics mm-hmm. as well. And that's the same right. thing with shows like courage, the cowardly dog. Like yeah, there was a lot of adult cool. themes that were showing that this doesn't have to be for kids. Yeah. Like you remember back in like the Popeye days, like when the early cartoons, it was like, Oh, this is only children's programming. It's like, mm-hmm. no, there's, there's plenty of material in here that is meant for older demographics. Definitely. And that's what these shows started to tap into yeah I'm, I'm i'm glad you mentioned the relationship between, we got one minute left by the way sure Ooh. i'm glad you mentioned the relationship between some of those safer shows and those riskier ones because i think that's something that we're still experiencing today shows like you know sure cartoon network um has amazing shows like steven universe and things like that are really right. challenging um what can be shown and what can be discussed on kids television and then you have really safe stuff like teen titans go <laughs> so hey man hold on blasphemy <laughs> we don't talk about that right yes the show that shall not be named but. yes mac any last thoughts on this matchup is there as does catch a dog have any chance in this game not a chance yeah Graham, any thoughts? I'm, I'm kind of with you guys. Uh, we got about 10 seconds left, but we can probably already get into the, the final result here. I'll just let the, the clock sort of run out. Um, I don't have any more thoughts on it to, in, in terms of myself. I'll just say that all kids love Log. Definitely. <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, so that is the 10 minutes. 
obviously we're all in agreement here that it's Ren and Stimpy moving on to the next round. Excellent. Once again, for pushing the boundaries and challenging its viewers and really appealing to those older demographics, Cat Dog never really had the opportunity to do that or never really created that for itself. So right. Ren and Stimpy moves on. Yeah. All right. All right. So we're moving on to match number two. This is the number four seed, Rocket Power, versus the number five seed, Doug. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. I have a feeling that we this one might be a little bit more contentious. Graham, can this... we get 10 minutes on the clock? 10 minutes on the clock starting right now. Now, this is going to be really weird because when, when you first asked me to be on this and you showed me the bracket and there was Doug and I had this Mandela effect moment where I was like, but isn't that a Disney show? Doug was a Disney show after a while. Yeah. Started out on Nickelodeon, but then moved over to Disney. So did you w- watch most of Doug on Disney then? I watched a couple episodes show? on, uh, di- most of them on Disney, yeah. And then I had a copy of Doug's first movie. Oh, that's right. I which totally had the little, like, the, the, film. The, the monster thing that, like, what is he, he eats, like, cheese nips or something? I can't remember. <laughs> and then, um, what's, what's the, the blue one? I can't Skeeter? Remember. Skeeter. Yeah. And he, I remember he like like makes all those cartoon noises all the time. Oh yeah, he, there's the the bit during the movie where he has to go and give a speech, and right when he's up there and about to give this really serious speech, he just goes, "Sorry, always wanted to do that on TV." Oh my god, <laughs> I love it. it. That's a real credit to the voice actor because I. As I understand it, that was uh, him doing all those noises, but then he also contributed a lot to the soundtrack, which had a lot of like those acapella, weird little mouth noises to it. Yeah! so cool. And we were talking about theme songs before. What a great way to incorporate your characters into the theme and into the introductions and things, like by having them literally voice some of the instruments. It's great. Fantastic. Yeah. But... uh, Comparing Doug to Rocket Power, what are your thoughts? Oh, so I watched a lot of Rocket Power. Okay. So that has a lot of, um, I, I have a lot of feelings for Rocket Power, mainly because I thought like, I was like eight when it came out. And to me, they were the epitome of cool. Like That is true. Yeah. Because like <laughs> back then it was just new metal and Rocket Power. Those were the <laughs> only two things that mattered to me. Oh my gosh. So Yeah. Like definitely like um what's his name? The main one with the glasses. Otto. Otto mm-hmm. had the cool had the cool glasses and then there was Reggie who was just such an interest I think she was a really good character. Yeah. Yeah. She was she was really endearing and like there were a lot of moments in that show where you know it spoke to girl power. Yeah. <laughs> in addition to rocket power, girl power. Definitely. Um and welcome, you know. Into girls into that space of extreme sports and surfing and all that and yeah. fun. I remember the the two episodes I can remember is when the um, the surf shack got sold and became had to become like a um, a food place called Happy Hut, and oh, one gosh. of them had to do like one of them had to re- memorize an entire like opening that he would do every time somebody comes into the store. But thankfully, it didn't get sold in the episode. The other episode that I can distinctly remember is when like a bunch of non-surfer people try to hang out with with the team. Okay. And they all are just like I guess they would be the equivalent of like yuppies. Okay. They're just sure. like they have no idea what they're doing and they they at the end they make like a, a comic book series, not a comic book, like a a little like fanzine that purposely makes fun of them. 
And I just thought that was so funny. (laughs) The only people out there who actually wear shoes on the beach. It was so funny. That's a great little sticking point. Yep. Those characters. That's funny. I, I enjoy rocket power. It is like distinctly 90, 1990s for me in like early 2000s in style where like extreme sports was the coolest thing that you could do. Yes. Period. Tony Hawk's pro skater and oh, X God. Games. It was yeah. just all about that jazz. Yeah. It's just like if you could do a 360 on a board with wheels, you were the man. I think Rocket Power is without question one of the most underrated 90s cartoons because like not many people talk about it when you're talking about like the overall landscape of 90s cartoons everybody wants to talk about the early days of spongebob you know fairly odd parents but i think that this show is one of the most underrated ones just because like everyone knows about it when you bring it up you're like remember the one with all the extreme sports people like oh my god yeah i watched the hell out of that one but like i totally couldn't remember the name of it or like every so i think that 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 kind of puts it in that category i had so much fun with rock power i watched so many episodes of it definitely um that was one of my top go-to shows just because every time i watched it was kind of that whole like cool dynamic like i want to be like the people I'm seeing on screen. Like yeah. that is my ideal vision of myself. So, um, but I, I obviously was never uh, an extreme sports type person. So it was more, it always lived out to be just a fantasy. Um, but uh, yeah, I loved rocket power. It's an interesting perspective on it though. Cause five minutes I, left by the way, yeah, uh, aspiring to that sort of role to, to exude that kind of cool. I, I take some issues with the show. My person, my pick is is Doug, but with Rocket Power, my beef with it is that it just really doesn't hold up as much today. It's of that time. It is a product of its time. Very much so. Uh, of the of its trends of anything that was popular at the time of the of the late nineteen nineties, and it's it's cool that these kids sort of like run this town in a way and have a cool relationship with some of the adults of the town. I think that was what stuck with me with the show is some of the positive relationships the kids had with adults in the town where in, you know, in that era, a lot of those cartoons were like adults are evil period. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was cool to see them actually have relationships with yeah. uh, adults. It was neat. Um, but I not a huge fan of the art style. I, I feel like it is a little bit lacking. I feel like the three main leads all look like different parts of Steve Smith from American dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point. Wow. Like all of these like round heads and are lanky and one like two of them have glasses and the other one sort of got like the it, the red look going on and it's just it they're they're fine again I'll use the word again serviceable they serve their role um but I think the show just had a, a very narrow focus and it was like we're going to show kids that this is cool and that you can be a, a skater boy BOI without being a jerk um, and in in a way serve your community, I guess. So, um, but Doug really sticks with me just because it's so good natured. It's so well intended. Yeah. I think it's like of all of the, those shows, Doug was the most wholesome. Oh yeah. And definitely like what I loved was the, the relationship between Doug and Patty. I think it was Patty because yeah, because in all, all the shows that there's sort of like a running, like, they're not. They're never gonna get together, but they're they're always gonna be close to each other. Mm-hmm. Whereas in in Doug, it became very obvious that like they get closer and closer as the show 
continued. Yeah, you just got to see the relationship build as opposed to this on and off again. Yeah. It was like a steady pathway up instead of like this roller coaster. What was the dog's name? Oh, man. I have no clue. I did not watch many much Doug when I was growing up. Pork Chop. Pork Chop. Okay. Oh, my nice. Christ. Yes. <laughs> I like it. And he had his, his alter, uh, Doug had his alter ego persona, Quail Man. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, that just I just like immediately when you said that it popped into my head this little the little thing on the, the little top belt of making the little belt. quail crest oh it's the best I I I I like I think that show had a good sense of imagination too it wasn't Definitely. completely unhinged necessarily like how uh Ren and Stimpy was uh but yeah. it it captured sort of that feeling of doodling in your notebook uh, because a, a lot of the show was narrated in a style like it was Doug's diary of some sort. That's so, right. Yeah. 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 And it always had a very wholesome message. Uh, the creator, Jim Jenkins, made a very clear point of that to make sure that, you know, it was based on experiences from his childhood and what he learned from them. And so he's like, I want to pass on these lessons to kids so they don't have to learn it the hard way like I did. Yeah. So it's it it's a really wholesome great show i i loved it um and i think the names of the characters are just something to they did deserve credit doug funny great name I have the repetition of that uh sound i love it but we talked about skeeter earlier his full name is mosquito valentine wow is I that, forgot just, that is that just not the coolest name for, for like a buddy that character. sounds like a band that sounds like, like a, a weird band name yeah we are mosquito valentine one two three four and you could still name your band that and just reference the character. Yeah, probably. <laughs> that is something that our generation is bound to do. Reference a side character in a 1990s cartoon that had a cool name. <laughs> it's yep. fantastic. Sounds about but, right. Yeah. I, I think Doug had a, a very balanced sense of like artistry and morals and everything. And that's that's why the show really resonates with me. It's like a, like a step up from Arthur, like Arthur for the next five years That's, after you're done watching at age 10. We yeah got, we got about under a minute left at this okay. point yeah oh boy all right so i'm i'm sticking to my guns here with doug what do you what do you think mac okay well i have to go go with doug because like doug doug aged better yeah and rocket power as much as i love it that's very much something for the summer of 2000 yeah so, all right yeah um, we'll let the last few seconds clock down here. I have way more experience with Rocket Power, so I'm already, I was I would have chose Rocket Power, but I understand the arguments that you made for Doug, and that is ten minutes. Oh. Obviously, both of you are going with Doug, so that means Doug moves on to the next round. I do want to ask you guys something, and this is actually kind of my fault when we were organizing this thing. There are two shells missing from this bracket. Okay. That. I almost feel like we should debate whether or not we should put these in a substitute. I think I know what one of them is. I think I do too. Fairly Odd Parents. Yes. yes. We have to put it in there. Uh, I yeah. This is a disservice to Nickelodeon cartoons in general. Definitely. Number two would be Jimmy Neutron. Wouldn't oh, it be? I totally forgot about shit. Jimmy Neutron. So I have a proposition for you. Uh, okay. And oh, if, man. if we choose to go this route, and I apologize for people listening who are big fans of Hey Arnold or Wild Thornberries or whatever we choose to substitute with. But I'm thinking Ooh. Wild Thornberries may have to be taken out. Or Hey Arnold. It kind of is up to us. Once again, we can debate this for oh. a few seconds. I think it is without question fair to say we should we should put Fairly Odd Parents into this bracket. We should make a last minute substitution. I adore Fairly Odd Parents. And I... Yeah. 
I want to include it somehow. I really do. I don't know what we would knock out though. Um, well, we'll keep yeah. this. Well, let's keep this bracket the same then, Be just based on what we what you said there, Dayton. I think that it's fair to keep this bracket the same for now. But without question, an honorable mention at the end. We'll yeah. we'll go back to talking about the fairly odd parents and also, also Jimmy Danny Neutron. Phantom. Danny Phantom. Right. That's the thing about these cartoons too. Is we almost should have done like a you know a, a bigger bracket because there are a lot that like just there's so many to choose from and and, yeah. and programming was so plentiful back in the day yeah. uh, for this kind of stuff so we'll definitely have to make an honorable mention and I'm sure it'll pop up in one of our 90s cartoons brackets down the oh, line absolutely. or something like that yeah. but uh, uh, I apologize to people listening who have been thinking where the hell is Fairly Odd Parents because <laughs> I cannot believe that I completely missed the ball when we were organizing this bracket. I think in all fairness, too, I think the, uh, Jimmy Neutron especially, but to, uh, and to a lesser degree, Fairly Odd Parents really fostered in the early 2000s. Yeah, right. That's, that's when I remember watching that's it, definitely what true. I associate it with. Uh, that's when I feel like those shows really hit their stride. And Fairly Odd Parents is still going today, so a lot of people still think of it as like a Nickelodeon staple. Which is crazy today. to think that it's still, it's still going on. Yeah. It's, it's not great anymore. Well, I can't well, imagine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because uh, I don't even know if Butch Hartman's involved with it anymore. Mm. Anymore, but it's uh, which is a crying shame because I, I love Butch Hartman and all of his work. But um, speaking of fairly odd parents, you brought up a point when we were talking about Rocket Power and like the perception of parents in '90s cartoons. It, was it just me, or was every single adult figure in these shows an absolute moron? <laughs> And like I get that's the whole identity like the whole idea is like kids view their parents as stupid at that age and like oh like my parents don't know anything or like and stuff like that. It's like it's kind of catered towards like the more kind of rebellious right oh certainly age, but I always thought that was crazy. It's like Jimmy Neutron's parents were just as stupid oh, as Timmy yeah. Turner's parents and in a especially while Hugh yeah. Oh my gosh. He was, um, didn't he, he just like so have an obsession with ducks? Ducks. Yes. Yeah. It was. It, Remember, always, Jimmy, there's always ducks. <laughs> yeah. It was always just hilarious to watch that kind of go down because it was just every single one of them could not have an intelligent thought. It seemed like. Right. Yeah. Even like like there were the bits with um Cindy and Jimmy like ranting at each other in class and trying to get the teacher to get on their side. <laughs> Show and tell, shall we? Oh my god, her voice was like <laughs> nails on a fucking chalkboard. Mac, I never would have guessed that you were a source of so many good Jimmy Neutron impressions. This is I fantastic. love Jimmy Neutron, so that's why I'm, I'm even upset with myself because I was a huge fan growing up. I love the movie Definitely. and I love the TV show, so yeah. I apologize also to Jimmy Neutron fans. It's one of my favorites, yeah, hey. and it will make its way to one of these brackets. I guarantee it. Hey, I tell you what, listeners out there, if you are interested in seeing a 2000s Nickelodeon cartoon bracket, or just 2000s, uh, 90s, or 2000s, 90s, 2000s cartoon bracket in general. Yeah. We'll, I, we'll get to it. Oh, we would be, for sure, include those two, I think. Oh, without yeah. question. Yeah. But um, for now, we'll stick to those 90s staples. Um, and that brings us to our next bracket uh, matchup, and that is Hey Arnold versus Rugrats. Graham, can we get 10 minutes on the clock? 10 minutes is on the clock right now. Awesome. So... I this one is a really tough match. Oh my for me. god! You, yes, it's tough. I love both of these shows a lot. Uh, I think with Rugrats, what I really love about it is that it really stuck to its guns in terms of concept. It's a show about babies, and the babies talk like babies. I think 
something that cartoons stumble on a lot is when they're creating child or very young characters is that they just sort of make them mini adults. But these really felt like young kids, like, you know, some one of your friend's little brothers or something. It, it, and the fact that they incorporate it into the dialogue and the way that the kids speak and that they sort of stumble and stammer and use incorrect pronunciation. I think it's great. I think it's such a like a wholesome, wonderful show that owns its concept. Definitely. Yeah. And at the same time, with Hey Arnold, I don't think any show quite captured the setting as well as that show did. Living in the city and sort of a rundown area. Of hey town. Arnold was great in that um, the characters were great, but also the place, the, the setting was a character in and itself. Oh, yeah. And no other show was really good at like no other show was really good at showing like inner city and at making right. a good point to show that they're just like us and like especially like you know when you're someone like me who grew up in rural america yeah in a very small town like the idea of the city was loud and beautiful and all this stuff and there was a show that was kind of like yeah it's kind of pretty but also there's some bad stuff going on yeah it was a lot of those shows at that time were just sort of had those one-off episodes where it's like Pauly protagonist in the big city and it, and it ended up being like you said the sort of glossy corporate version of the city yeah as pretty opposed, much as opposed to the stoop kids world it was the best I, I I can't get over how cool that setting is from the very moment that the Hey Arnold theme song starts it's do 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 yeah, Arnold. Yeah, and you hear <laughs> it, they're just like walking through their little neighborhood. There's people doing their own thing. Movie not, football head. Yeah, <laughs> there's people calling to Arnold from all over the place. So it like establishes like yeah. a sense of place. It's so cool. It's there's nothing there. I, I think that might be my favorite theme song. Oh, dude, Rugrats list. was theme was pretty iconic though. Too. That's true. Oh, oh yeah. Do, 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 do. I just get this instant wave of nostalgia every time oh, yes. I hear that pop on. Like more so, I think, than a lot of the other ones. Like, hey, Arnold had a really good theme too, but Rugrats is just, I think, the exception yeah, like SpongeBob and maybe a few other ones. I think that was one of the strongest ones. It was super simple, yeah, but really captured the essence of that show. Yeah, it really did. <laughs> Have you ever heard the crazy conspiracy theories around Rugrats where uh. it's like, Okay, now, uh. <laughs> obviously, there's no validity to them, at least as far as I know. Okay, Eddie but Bravo. <laughs> I know. Um, the, but the one that like has gone on for a few years now is that it's all like Angelica's illusion oh, that yeah. they can talk. Like, it, it, there, it's somehow she's like, like, this is all in her mind and it's not actually real. And that like actually like, oh my God, there were some really fucked up ones where it was like, these are like actually like, like they're all dead or something or what? like, and like it's, 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 it's some, there's some weird ass conspiracy, <laughs> conspiracy theories that have flown around the internet for this show. I always think that was like interesting though, that like you get like the top 10 conspiracies on yeah. Rugrats. It's like, we're wow. really making conspiracies about the Rugrats. <laughs> really? But who knows? Terrifying. Um, that, that, that if you're going to make conspiracy theories, just, Save him from Courage the Cowardly Dog, all right? Because that's the one that really needs to have a lot of yeah. theories. This one is a simple show about yes. babies who can talk like adults. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think to 
I, I think that what you just said is true. It is about babies who can talk like adults, but it really had some moments that kind of transcended its concept too. Like I talk about it owning its concept, but at the same time, it had two episodes that accurately, as far as I'm concerned, depicted Jewish culture. It Definitely. Interesting. I don't remember this episode. You might yeah. have to specify a little bit more. So they had an episode all about Passover, just okay, just retelling the story of the Exodus. So Moses and Pharaoh and through the Red Sea, that story, that story we all know. And then there was an episode all about Hanukkah and its origins and Judah and the Maccabees and everything. It's really, it, it it's so cool. And it doesn't shy away from the religious aspect of it. There's yeah. actually like a point where Tommy, who plays Judah, is told like, you can't worship your God, you have to worship this God. And we're just like, wait, we're talking about God and worship in a children's program? Yeah. That's so cool. We got about five minutes left now on the clock. That's an excellent point because a lot of people in that, or I mean, have this perception that PBS was the only go-to for like educational type children's programming. Like you watch Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, and Disney just for pure entertainment value. Yeah. But that's interesting that, and I just don't remember that episode off the top of my head, but that's interesting that it was able to kind of do things like that and integrate educational lessons within a show like that. Yeah, it it was really interesting. It wasn't afraid to shy away from these characters being fully fleshed out and having like religious beliefs. Like the, I think it was Tommy's family was, was Jewish. Some like, like Angelica's family and some other people were Christian and they like explicitly said that. And like Chucky's family was not religiously associated, but they were all interested in learning about Jewish culture, which is super, it's just really ballsy. I can't, I imagine seeing much like that on television today, unfortunately. And I uh, must have just been a product of its time. Perfect storm for allowing that sort of thing to happen. I love it. Definitely. Yeah. Also, okay, what was the dog's name? Oh, in Rugrats? Yeah. I do not remember. All I remember was that in the one of the movies, I think it was Rugrats in Paris. Oh, sure. It's voiced by Bruce Willis. (laughs) What? That's amazing. That's amazing. What, what, What is... In your guys' opinion, the best Rugrats movie. Ooh. Oh man, I don't even know if I know them all by name. Well, there's I Rugrats remember, in I remember, Paris. I think I remember Rugrat, the, the Rugrats, the first movie. Yeah. And there's the Thornberry crossover one, which is the one I saw in theaters. Yeah. So that one I have the oh, most shit, connection I to. Forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. I think the Paris one is the one I remember most vividly. You know, someone was mentioning the other day that during the Rugrats and Thornberry movies, they had this, I think it was during a Live in the Dream episode where they were talking about how when you watch that movie, they had like this 4D component to the, the movie yeah. where you could like smell, like, scratch like this, and sniff cards. yeah, the scratch and sniff, like it'd be like on the screens, like scratch and sniff, sniff now and like it'd be like jars of peanut butter that they'd open up in the movie and like oh, you could smell so it. Um, and that that's such a interesting concept because nowadays we really take 3d and 4d for granted because it's just it's way more like it's oversaturated yeah where back then it was like a special event with things like spy kids 3d and then also the yeah the thornberries and uh, rugrats crossover definitely right. that's a really good point I, wow. I totally forgot about that element of like 3d or some sort of unique movie promotion being an event Oh yeah, I, I think when you said that, that was that's captured it exactly. It's it, it was an event. It was something that you really got excited for and hyped for when you saw those commercials as you're watching these shows. So cool. But anyway, back to Hey Arnold. Yes. Oh, man, I I can't give this show enough credit either. It's as we mentioned, the setting is just so great. Another thing I love is the character design mm-hmm. and just how everybody has like a very distinct shape associated with them, like natural naturally, as you said earlier, Mac. We have football head as our lead, Arnold, but even a lot of his friends like have these very 
distinct head shapes or styles and things like that. It it all felt at home together, but at the same time, they had definitely some had one of the best elements. Yeah, definitely one of the best animation like designs of all yeah. of the '90s cartoons, at least in my eyes. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, anything we would want to say to Rugrats' art style? I think I think that definitely deserves some credit as well. The definitely. Real thin line, oh yeah. Sort of uh, fuzzy and pastelly, and yeah, it's great. I I I think most of these shows had you know something interesting to their animation. That here's a little is here's memorable. a little here's a little fun fact. Um, so Reptar as a kid, um, I was really into Godzilla, and I got really mad one day when my mom bought me a, she bought me a Reptar plush. Oh, and I thought, and she thought it was Godzilla. Oh, that's and, adorable. Yeah, I mean, like I I didn't get I didn't like have a hissy fit, but I figured it out. Like, okay, this is Reptar, but yeah, he's freaking cool. And but yeah, that's like when when I think of Rugrats, one of the first things I think it was Reptar. One minute left. One minute. Dang. Wow. Just flying through, but. Uh, Anything further you'd want to say about Hey Arnold? I think, I, I think Hey Arnold, I think is aged better, and it especially okay. with the times. Sure, um, it's it's more it's just as relevant now as it was then. Whereas Rugrats was sort of a really silly look at, um, like just babies and, um, the first year and the the formative years, so to speak. Okay, yeah. but it still works, and you know, seeing things through their imagination really is. Something else. Oh yeah, certainly. I like uh, that element of the show was really, really strong. Also, um, the, also one more thing: the parents in Rugrats, I never really understood until I got older. And I realized, oh yeah, they're they're new parents, so they really don't know what the hell they're doing, and that makes hilarious. a lot more sense. Yeah. Oh man, I think we might have uh, a little bit of a disagreement here towards the end, Graham. How much time do we have left? And that's it. That's ten minutes right there. Okay. Uh, man. So what uh, are you going with, Tayden? What are you going with, Mac? Uh, I think I'm going to have to go with Rugrats on this one. I, I, there's just going back and watching it in preparation for this discussion. There was a lot about it that I missed and a lot that impressed me. So I'll hope, hopefully I'll discuss it more in the next round. I don't know. Oh God, this sucks. <laughs> I'm, I don't know. I got to go with, Hey Arnold. Oh man, we have a disagreement. So I guess I have a responsibility now to break the tie. Mm-hmm. That's a really difficult decision for myself because I love these shows both dearly, but I have to keep it to both of your arguments. And I think I'm going to have to go with. I'm gonna have to go with Rugrats. I'm sorry. That's fine. Um, and the reason that I say that is because Dayton, in your statements just a few seconds ago, you brought up something. It's one of those shows that you missed a lot as a kid, and then you can go back to. And you kind of even said this, Mac, too, where it was like the new parents aspect. Yeah. That, that comes into play. Also, it's it's educational value to some degree, um, with you know it's it it it's it, it's work with you know explaining like Jewish culture and stuff like that. And, I, and obviously, it did that in numerous other episodes for different types of topics. I just yeah. can't remember them off the top of my head. Um, so I think that, and also I think Rugrats in general, and maybe I'm just a little bit premature in saying this, but I think that it's a little bit more iconic. I would say 
Like I think oh, yeah. a, I think that. it probably was a, a far more popular program, and I'm not saying that is always the be all end all decision. Like which one was most popular, sure. therefore it must be the better show. But it is something to keep in mind when you're kind of breaking down like which one had the most cultural impact right. at the time. And I think Rugrats for sure. Well, may, maybe doesn't hold up nearly as well today. There are some things you can go back and notice, and it does obviously bring back waves and waves of nostalgia, which all these shows do, but um, Rugrats especially. Yeah. Um, I think and- something I do, now that Rugrats has gone forward, I what I love about Hey Arnold that I didn't when I initially watched it as a kid is Helga. Helga is a great character. Yeah. She's got really interesting motivations, you know, sort of being torn between bullying and being completely obsessed with her. Arnold, yeah. Um, and I love that the show doesn't shy away from the gravity of her crush either. There's some really, like, disturbing I mean, moments of her like, yeah. stalking him. There's, like, the, the, the candle shrine. Yeah. And- it's so strange. Um, you think those are things that, like, as a kid, you think, oh, that's funny. That's stupid. Why would you do that? Then, like, when you get older and people who, you know, people who are like that, you're just like, dude. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> but they but they leaned into her character. I think they, you know, they just owned what she was. Um, and I think her alone deserves, uh, you know, owes, hey, Arnold, you know, a lot of credit. Definitely. So, yeah. So I, I, I this one was a really tough matchup for me. I'm, Definitely. I, tough first I, I'm round totally, one, I'm too. I'm totally on both sides here. So. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, Rugrats moves on to the next round. So next we have our last quarterfinal matchup, and that is the number three seed SpongeBob against the number six seed, the Wild Thornberries. Ooh. All right. Ten minutes is on the clock starting right now. Oh, boy. Yeah. I... I I don't know. This one's a little bit easier for me, so I want to get some of your thoughts right away, Mac. If you okay, haven't. so Wild Thornberries, I thought was, I think is like, um, is a better show because it had its run and then it stopped. Okay. It yep. had and it stopped. <laughs> See where you're going with this? And <laughs> it all of it was great. And what was great was that everyone had, everyone was sort of. Everyone was intelligent in their own way. They didn't paint the parents as idiots, mm-hmm. uh, especially like if in the watching the Wild Thornberries movie, there were those moments when Nigel and his was it Eliza? Yes, the lead uh, Nigel and Eliza had these moments, uh, these real bonding moments, and I mean, obviously Tim Curry. Oh yeah, as him is just one of the greatest choices you could ever. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Oh, it's great. Yeah, I, I I think that's the first thing that sticks out for me with the Wild Thornberries as well is its extremely stacked uh, voice cast. Because in addition to the incomparable Tim Curry as uh, Nigel Thornberry, we have uh, Lacey Chabert was the voice of Eliza Thornberry. Oh. Yeah. And then Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers was what? the voice of Donnie, the little rabbit boy. <laughs> Just- we just blew Max's mind. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I'm blown. My mind is blown, but also it makes perfect sense. Right? Of course, he would voice Donnie. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you can't unhear it. <laughs> yeah, all the little gibberish noises. That's. Do you remember the? Uh, do you remember that meme that came out a couple of years ago with Iggy Azalea, where she just starts doing a freestyle and she sounds like Donnie, and they put a clip of Donnie going. I do remember that. Yeah. I had not seen that, but boy, do I ever want to now. <laughs> I'm going to find it when we're done with this. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I think the Wild Thornberries had a lot going for it during the, during its run. It was a very adventurous, vibrant show. Yes. Captured a lot of different settings, and that 
sense of adventure to going out somewhere and learning about a place yeah. and in a way respecting it, you know, cause they were all like nature. The, the parents were nature documentary people. Yeah. Um, so it taught kids to like revere places they weren't familiar with and places they were just discovering. I think that's really cool. I think that's a neat lesson that not a lot of cartoons captured at that time, yeah. but I have to go with SpongeBob on this one. I am sorry. I know it's. I I get it. I I'm not. I'm not mad. It makes uh, perfect sense because it's, it's crazy. It's just how ingrained it is in, in pop culture. In our generation. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. I, I as Mac and I said at the beginning of this, we didn't necessarily grow up with these shows in the traditional sense in the way some of you listeners might have. But just the, I, I I still quote SpongeBob all the time. Yeah, it's amazing. It just it it, <laughs> it gets to you. Your your friends. Your, your friends quote it and you latch onto it because it's just such sharp, hilarious writing. Ah! You were just a voice box today. I love it. It's great. He's always a voice box. <laughs> and I, I will give this, um, SpongeBob had, I mean, I, again, a great voice cast. Oh yeah. There were, I mean, obviously, you know, um, the great Clancy Brown voicing Mr. Krabs yes. and Tom Kenny, of course, as SpongeBob is yep. just like one of the greatest. Yeah. And, it definitely, I mean, even like there, there was an episode where David Bowie yeah. voiced the character. King of Atlantis. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. There were, there were a lot of really great voice guests in there. I think Johnny Depp came on and voiced a surfer dude appropriately enough uh, one time. And Pan- Pantera did the theme. Yes. Did the, the music to an episode. Yes. It is crazy just how interconnected it came, became with just our world. There were so many people who loved the show and wanted to be involved. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, SpongeBob is arguably as recognizable as like Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. He is like, he is be. When we were kids, like Rugrats were the face of Nickelodeon. Yeah. Now, without a doubt, it's SpongeBob. For better or worse. For better or worse. <laughs> and much like that, you know, we have, uh, they had a bunch of movies. They, the, the first movie that was. Still great. So funny. So great. David Hasselhoff. Yes. That is actually my favorite moment in that movie because they it's just SpongeBob and Patrick. They walk up to him and they're like, who are you? They don't know who he is. Like, I'm who David are you? Hasselhoff. And immediately they just go, hooray! It's, it's like you just said you didn't know who this guy was. And you're just cheering because you told him. Oh, it's so funny. It I is. Love it. I love how like no matter what the, sh- the, uh, the in the movies even, they never lost there the, the the bit of absurdist humor in it oh yeah and i i think the david david hasselhoff moment speaks to a lot of other moments in spongebob too where they would play with the animation and five minutes left incorporate live action moments mm-hmm. as well because we had a patchy pirate and his and his parrot potty which i think is a hilarious sort of oh, yes. diversion away from the typical poly name i think that's hilarious and it's it i i think it had a ton of fun. Whether or not it still does today is debatable. Yeah. Now, you mentioned earlier about how Wild Thornberries had its run, did its job, then jumped ship. Uh, I take it that you're not so, such a fan of how SpongeBob is stuck around. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, the first, like, four or five seasons are fantastic. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's getting to the point where it's almost like flogging a dead horse. It oh, just, yeah. It's, I mean, some of the, some of the stuff is funny, but it's like really been dumbed down as of lately and it's really more for younger people. And that's, that kind of loses the, the the charm that the show had because it's just about, it's so absurd in this idea about 
an anthropomorphic sponge mm-hmm. and a starfish and a squid and a, a freaking chipmunk or squirrel that lives in the <laughs> that lives in the bottom of the ocean with a Texas accent. Yeah, I think I, I think you bring up a great point in that SpongeBob has become like so commonplace to us that we forget how brilliant the character's inception is. Like the fact that it, okay, so. The story behind SpongeBob's naming is hilarious. So they were originally going to name him SpongeBoy, not have a last name, sort of like a Cher Bono type deal. Just name SpongeBoy. <laughs> and so that name was already copyrighted, unfortunately. So they named him SpongeBob, but they weren't sure where to go from there. They're like, okay, SpongeBob, that's fine. But then Tom Kenny, when he was brought on and saw the character design, he's like, look at this sponge wearing square pants, thinking he can get a job as a fry cook. <laughs> he like just says he looked at it and he latched onto this element of design of this character and that's how the name came to be he was like oh spongebob squarepants that's hilarious yeah so it's it's cool to see the voice actors the the, the voice behind the character get involved in that way too definitely it's great. as I, well as how the show had i mean a lot of the just the references that came out of the blue there was a reference to Nosferatu, the silent film. Is there really? Yeah, remember the episode with the hash slinging slasher? Oh my gosh! And at the You're end, totally it's right. like, who, then who read the lights? <laughs> and it's it's Max Shrek, and it's just like Nosferatu. Like why? But it works so well. Yeah, it's it it did so much, and it can. I think it still continues to do quite a bit. Uh, there's there's still a lot about the show to enjoy, despite the fact that it's really oversaturated. I think Nickelodeon as a whole, as a, as a network, um, it's really kind of taken over. And some would say that its other programming has fallen to the wayside as a result. Um, so there's there there might be something to that as well, saying, you know, did SpongeBob bring Nickelodeon to its knees <laughs> as it is today. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think there's enough greatness about SpongeBob that it, it, it still deserves to be around and be credited as one of the best cartoons, maybe of all time, you know, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Best SpongeBob character. Go. Oh man. Uh, besides, love, besides SpongeBob, obviously I love Plankton. I think, Plankton. I, I think Plankton's hilarious. Uh, I think, the concept of you know having a rival restaurant is great. The Chum Bucket is a hilarious setting because one of my one of my other favorite even smaller characters is Karen, the computer. Oh my gosh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> with the Midwestern accent, right. it's hilarious. Yeah, it's so good. And just uh, I think the dynamic between Plankton and Karen is really really funny. I get a good kick. Team out of that Squidward, man. Team oh, Squidward. Right, it's though. funny how like. <laughs> As a kid, we all thought Squidward. Oh, nine, was so uh, one minute left, by the way. Yep. It's as a kid, we all thought Squidward was, was the most annoying. But as we got older, we all started relating to him oh, so much. No. Squidward is definitely the most relatable character, without question. And then I think that's why he is probably the most well-written character of all of them. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I love Squidward, man. Even as a kid, I liked him, but especially now, looking back, he was a staple. Yeah, I think he's. Yeah, you, you hit it on the head. He's just the well, the most well-written character in that. As a kid, he had enough funny moments to keep us engaged and not turn us away from the show. But now that we go back to it, we're like, I feel you, man. Yeah. I feel you, Mr. Tentacles. <laughs> I get it. You just want to be at home and play your clarinet. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Don't we all just want to be at home and play our clarinet? Yeah. Yep. That's really. Also, I guess there's one more thing I want to bring up when it comes to SpongeBob real quick. is the weird internet fandom that goes around it, including oh, the dark so stuff, like creepypasta stuff. Oh, yeah. 
It's great. It's there. It's evolved into something much bigger than itself. Yes. Ten minutes are up. What are we going with, gentlemen? SpongeBob. SpongeBob. All right, that's a pretty easy pick. SpongeBob. Right on to the next round awesome. to face off against Rugrats, which is going to be a really interesting matchup. Oh man, this is this is going to get tough towards the end. I can already feel it. See, that's the thing is Rugrats. Uh, what I kind of like about the randomized bracket is that like Rugrats and SpongeBob would be like someone's first guess for the final matchup. Yeah. But it's actually the semifinal matchup. It kind of makes it because we didn't seed everything. It just it was all random. We kind of get a mix, mixed up yeah. uh, type bracket, so it's, it's nice. I'm, yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. So. Yeah, I think it really forces us to take a look at these shows and really consider what we what we loved about them, what we continue to love about them. Definitely. All right. So for our first semifinal matchup, we have Ren and Stimpy going up against Doug. Man, how two very different shows. Definitely. Yeah. Well, let's kick things off. Ten minutes are on the clock right now. Ooh. I, this one's going to be tough for me because, as I said right off the bat, these are just two very different shows that serve very, very different purposes. Yes. I've heard that the creator of Ren and Stimpy purposefully made his show without lessons. Like, it's it's just meant to be a romp. It's meant to be just this experience of watching these characters just fly around and just beat the shit and, out of each and other gross and fart and poop and whatever Idiots! exactly it's just full of that kind of content and it owns it so well and there's nothing else like it in that respect nothing that executed the potty humor the real gross out humor as well as Ren and Stimpy did and on the other hand we have Doug which as I mentioned earlier was like designed to sort of instill lessons from the creators yeah. childhood in, in, into the viewers. It's, it's really bizarre. I don't know. Uh, what are your thoughts, Mac, on this uh, matchup? It's, it's tough because I, I, I don't know really what to say here because Ren and Stimpy is just like so iconic. Yeah. And Doug, even though it's 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 probably one of the, the most wholesome thing that was ever on Nickelodeon, <laughs> it's still like there's hardly a lot that you can remember right. from it. Yeah. So definitely I think you gotta go with the shock value to rem- for, to remember it, and I would definitely be going with Ren and Stimpy there. That's a good point. I I have I take some issue with Ren and Stimpy's shock value, especially as the show evolved and was taken to the Spike TV network um, as a Adult specifically. Party cartoon. Ad- it's really bad. Yeah, it's not good. No, and it's I. When I watch that, it really sort of brings out the negatives in the original show for me, in that the show is kind of sort of blind and just sort of walking around and doing whatever it wants to do and sort of running on its impulses as opposed to some might argue real substance. So I don't know. I do. Do do you take issue with that? The fact that Ren and Stimpy is just pure energy and that's all it. No, I think that's, I think it works because when, when we were at the age when we were we would start watching Ren and Stimpy, that's kind of like a lot of us were at least like when I was like a big teenager when I started watching Ren and Stimpy. Okay. And a lot of it was like all the like seeing it was just anger and absurdity spewed onto a canvas. Yeah. That I could totally like that all the anger and energy that I couldn't do myself. So I would just watch that and just think it was the best thing in the world. That's a really good point. I haven't I didn't think about it in that aspect. I of being an outlet for anger and creativity in a way i think i I think that's a really good point that that, that captures something about ren and simpy 
that I haven't really watched it in that manner before. I will definitely have to go back and do that when I'm feeling flustered after a day of work or something and, and see the madness that goes on on screen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think uh, it's, it's really tough to beat Ren and Stimpy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Doug is, was good for its age group. I think I, I think Ren simply has a has a timelessness and an agelessness to it that can reach across age groups and demographics and things like that. Whereas Doug was sort of meant for you know it was like oh, okay so we're gonna have preteens watching this show and they're gonna be wondering about X problem or X issue in their life and Doug's gonna try to face it along with them and. Um, to say that we can still watch that and garner something from it, I don't know. It's it's tough to say. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> it, it doesn't have it doesn't have the immediate weight that Ren and Stimpy has. I don't think. Yes. Yep. It's a it's a it's it's an interesting matchup for sure. Graham, do you have any thoughts on this? I really don't. I was this, these are the two shows conveniently enough that I really didn't pay attention to much. I think I watched more. Re- Ren and Stimpy than I ever did Doug. Doug was one of those shows everybody was talking about at my school, and I never could make it to one of the viewings. Like I, I, I ne- it was never on when I was watching TV. And okay. I have no idea if it was just when it aired, it just never aligned with my schedule. I, 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 I would assume that was the case, but I never really caught Doug on TV. Sure, I did get a little bit of Ren and Stimpy just because I. One of the things about like early. Um, and I guess I'll just say, because this comment might go a little bit longer, we're about approaching five minutes on the clock. Okay. Um, but uh, when I was uh, when I was a kid, one of the, thing, the, the, the main ways that I viewed cartoons is we used to go to um, Florida every year for spring break because my grandparents had a RV or like a, like a rental home in Florida. And every uh, morning, like the first day I would get there is I'd go over there and watch like hours upon hours from like 6 a.m. until, you know, around 11 a.m. where we wanted to do something. Um, I would watch Saturday morning cartoons. And that's where I really got my true fix during those like vacation periods. I used to get my, get my true fix of the cartoons. Um, and I got a little bit of Ren and Stimpy during that period. Um, gotcha. It was not one that stuck out in my mind. I was way more, first of all, I was way more Cartoon Network heavy to begin with. So okay. a lot of my viewings were going from there. The re- the main reason I would go to Nickelodeon was for shows like Jimmy Neutron and Rugrats. Okay. Um, and obviously SpongeBob. But SpongeBob yeah. is just, I mean, it's so classic. Yeah. Um, how could you not want to watch it? Um, but Cartoon Network was usually my main staple because I was just a huge Johnny Bravo fan. I was a nice. huge, yeah. I mean, just all of their programs. That show's not aged well. It's oh, no. no. <laughs> oh, I, I disagree, but. We can get to that at some point. Um, yeah, I but I, I loved Cartoon Network, and I even liked a little bit of Disney Channel uh, just because of Recess. Oh, um, yeah. And obviously their live action was 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 entertaining at that time. Oh, definitely. Um, but, uh, yeah, in terms of Ren and Stimpy and Doug, that, those were just the two, for whatever reason. Um, I, I knew I liked Ren and Stimpy. It wasn't yep. that I didn't like it, but it was just like, of all the ones I was watching, never stood out in my mind as much as the other ones. I think my like weird one was Courage the Cowardly Dog. It was just like yeah. that one was the one that was like, okay, this is weird. Oh, really interesting. Can, you can so get your dose of weirdness for that show, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, I, I I think if there's one thing that I've learned from all of our discussions so far is that we still have tons of cartoons to discuss from oh, yeah. our childhood. There's, oh my God, way too many. Yeah, and it's cool to go back and see that these still hold up in a lot of respects. It's great. I guess it kind of brings up the question of what does it mean to like hold up? 
Yeah. Like in our field, because we keep seeing, saying that word and it's said a lot when we're talking about older content and yeah. like older programming. What is in your eyes like the essentials that a show needs to have in order to be held up or it has to, to hold be unique. Up? It has to be something that's completely different mm-hmm. from everything else. And that could be like Gravity Falls or that could be like Gravity Falls is my uh, it's, I would t- say, it's, it's tied with Bojack Horseman for my favorite show of all time. Definitely. Yeah. I would I will be completely up there with you. Yeah. It's so great. Gravity Falls is really good. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think that's a great point. Just having a unique concept. And I think that's maybe where Doug might fall short in this in this in this debate here, because Ren and Stimpy, there's no other relationship in cartoons like theirs. And there's nothing as wild and as unhinged as Ren and Stimpy was. Yes. Um, so, and that bolsters its concept. That makes it strong enough. Doug, I compared it before to Arthur. <laughs> you yeah. Know, I, 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 I think that's where it might fall short. Um, so, I don't know. What yeah. Do yeah. Um, yeah I, I'm, I'm, I'm totally hearing what you guys are saying. I, uh, I did get that vibe that Doug was very much like an Arthur like show yeah and which is a great thing because arthur's a fantastic show within itself mm. but uh and that gets me thinking about a possible pbs because uh, <laughs> there's plenty to choose from from that yeah. from that section but uh yeah yeah i i um the, i i really do I, I do agree with your both of your criteria i think it does have to be unique and it does yeah. have to really stand out and 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 and, you know, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier. There was that distinct line in the sand between shows that were unique and different and the yeah. ones that were just safe and, and your traditional, what you could call children's programming. Right. Um, and I think that uh, because Ren and Stimpy, more often than not, pretty much all the time was trying to be the first option, you know, try to push those boundaries, try to see what it could get away with yeah, and, and try to appeal to as many different dem- demographics as Definitely. possible. Um, I think that is a really true testament to what it was able to do. Um, and we got about a minute left. So any closing remarks from either of you? I think just uh, another element of the criteria for what makes a show hold up is that it just continues to be engaging today. It can hold your attention. Uh, I think Doug kind of falters in that way and that you realize you sort of realize you're watching a show for somebody that's younger than you. Ren and Stimpy, you watch it and you're just like, what is happening? Yes. <laughs> and it was like, wait, this was on Nickelodeon 1990s during daylight hours. I there's so, so much to unpack with that show, as I've said, and it. It continues to amaze me today. I think it continues, yeah, and goes like kind of what we were talking about with Rugrats. It continues to show like details that you didn't notice before and and certain themes and stuff like that. You're like, oh, I didn't notice that, you know, 10, 15 years ago, but now that becomes way more apparent. I think there's a certain weight to that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I... I think I'm going to go with Ren and Simpy here then. Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. All right. Well, 10 minutes is up, and it looks like we both are going with Ren and Stimpy, which means Ren and Stimpy is our first qualifier for the championship matchup. So congratulations to all you Ren and Stimpy fans. Woo! It's on to the finals. All right. But before we get to the finals, we have one more semifinal matchup. Uh-oh. Oh, God, boy. this one's going to be a- <laughs> this is gonna hurt like hell. Okay. So we have Rugrats going up against... SpongeBob. Uh, All right, gentlemen, uh, are you prepared? All right, listeners at home, are you prepared? Let's get 10 minutes on the clock Mm -hmm. in three, two, one. Fasten your seatbelt. Oh, God. Um, 
Jesus. Uh, I can't think <laughs> right now. The two, literally, you were talking about the two faces of Nickelodeon. Yeah. Like, who is the supreme one? And we're about to figure that out. Yeah. First I, four seasons of SpongeBob, I have to. Yeah, it's it's incomparable, really. It was yeah. uh, it's crazy how quickly that be- that SpongeBob became a, ph- a phenomenon. Definitely, I I think from I, I remember a time before SpongeBob, but I don't remember like the escalation up to him becoming a cultural icon. It yeah. was just one day I woke up and everybody loves SpongeBob. Yeah, and rightly so. It, it's, Definitely, it's, it's a hilarious. It's, it's so good, beautiful show. I. I think something we haven't quite spoken on yet is uh, SpongeBob's animation style. I, I think some people might say it's pretty standard, and in some respects it kind of is, you know, sort of like the standard cartoony eyes. Uh, the character designs are fun, but nothing too groundbreaking. I think one thing I've noticed is the backgrounds. I think they're really gorgeous. They, oh, yeah. They, oh, dude, the definitely. landscapes in that show are yeah. insane. Yeah. They're, like, really good looking. Yeah, it has this sort of, like, uh, hand-painted quality to it, and... The, the use of the flowers, that is sort of like the subliminal aesthetic of, yeah. of SpongeBob, having those uh, those little Hawaiian shirt patterns, uh, something we don't really give much attention to, but something that's always there and always incorporated. I think that's such a brilliant element that they incorporated. From the, the vastness get-go. of the world of Bikini Bottom yeah. is what is really astounding. And Gold. Rock Bottom. Right, yeah, and yeah. like all the different just like areas within that world are just so fascinating to go back to and, and to look into, and then once again, just like who's there, like the the side characters that are included in there, and the, mm-hmm. the 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 plots that play out within those world and the stories, but also like you were saying, just like like it it just it just looks beautiful in yeah. that sense. Um, yeah. You were right. I think the character designs are what they are. They're simple, but I don't think that's like exactly a bad thing. I right. think it doesn't need for show the way that show conducts itself. I don't think it needs anything too elaborate. Right. Yeah. I think it's really, it's stories really carry the plot. Like, you know, the, the stories carry the show and engage the audiences most. And the seeing the hijinks that these characters get involved with. I think it's cool that the show just, captures everything that the ocean is you know it doesn't just pick that for out of obligation just like oh we need an aesthetic ah they're underwater no they they really own it and they i think that helps it helps because steven hillenberg the creator was a marine biologist for a while right yeah Yeah, i remember hearing about that so he can really tap into all of his knowledge and yeah he actually began the concept for spongebob with uh a, a small comic and it was just about little small little tidal pool creatures or whatever. Um, but he really wanted to focus in on this sponge creature, this really bizarre oddball thing in the ocean and make something out of it, uh, make something relatable and funny and interesting. And uh, I, I think we can all say that he succeeded with SpongeBob. Least favorite SpongeBob character. Go. Oh, Pearl by far Pearl. Yeah. Pearl was annoying. I did see one great conspiracy theory lit recently and that's that Pearl is Pearl isn't Mr. Krabs's daughter. Um he's she's um basically sugar daddy. Oh, and that's no. what that's so what weird. That's why that's why Pearl looks nothing like Mr. Krabs. She is a whale and he she is, is a, a whale <laughs> and he is a crab. And like he, she was like, "Daddy, Daddy, Daddy!" Yeah. Oh, God. oh, yeah! No. I've ruined both of you today. Oh, haven't I? you have. I've just like it was a crazy. It was a crazy conspiracy theory. I mean, <laughs> as crazy as it is, 
I guess I could see where they're I coming from. I could see where they're coming from. I don't think it's true, but right. I think no. if it was to come out, that was the case and that we just completely got bamboozled that entire time. I wouldn't be too shocked because that does make sense to some degree. It's fucked up because, uh, you know, <laughs> given the context of that show. But yeah. interesting. Interesting nonetheless. I think Mrs. Puff can be kind of an irritating character. Yeah. Just because she's kind of one note. The whole boating school thing, like, I, I thought it was funny to an extent, but it got really tired after a while. The fact sure. that SpongeBob could never pass boating school. It's like, yeah. okay, that was funny the first few times. When you just kept going back to it all the time, I was just like, all right, this is the one plot line I've never really cared for. Sure. Um, yeah. So I, I, Mrs. Puff was definitely a little bit more annoying. Yeah. I just felt like she was a discount Squidward. Squidward yeah. was like the character that really got irritated by. SpongeBob and Patrick, and uh, he his reactions were the best. They were unmatched. To try to replicate that in a character like Mrs. Puff and sort of bring in like the teacher dynamic, uh, I, I appreciate the Five effort. Left by the way, but I I think Squidward is just the perfect foil to those two characters. That little block on the ocean of those three living there is just a wonderful dynamic that I'm sure that many cartoonists will be trying to replicate from here on out. How about underrated SpongeBob characters? Like ones that you oh. loved, but not many people talked about when you were kids. The My Leg Guy. Yeah, dude, of course. <laughs> now he's kind of a meme and a vine, but like... Uh, That's why I love him. Just... I know, he's great. I loved the... the My leg! The villain that was to... Uh, what the hell was his name? Because you remember there were the two superhero guys, the old superhero guys? Yes. Who Who was, was it? Uh, Merman, Merman and Barnacle, Barnacle Merman Boy. Man and Barnacle Boy. Yes. They were great, but who was the villain that was their like arch nemesis? Oh, because the Manta he, Ray guy. Manta yeah, it was something like evil, that. Evil! Every evil. villain is Lemon. Fun fact, uh, Merman Man was voiced by Ernest Borgnine, one of yep. the like, yeah, classic did, Hollywood actor. That's so fantastic. Didn't he pass away a few years ago? He passed away like five years ago, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. man. But yeah, I loved the the villain. I thought he was so goddamn hilarious, especially when like he was like, I don't remember what episode this was, but it was something along the lines of like he was like dead or like frozen or something. Okay. And then like he got like his belt back or something like that. And then he became powerful again. No, no. It was like the giggling belt or whatever. Remember when like they had like the weight ability to like make him get like tickled by his own belt. Oh my God. And he couldn't stop laughing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I wish I could have a way better context for that episode, but I thought those moments were really funny. I thought he always just cracked me up because just how much of a, like a buffoon he was for being right. the arch nemesis of those two yeah. superheroes. And also like the flying Dutchman was pretty great. Too. Yeah. I, I think you're speaking to some great points here that I think Rugrats might fall short on in that SpongeBob feels like this real huge world. Right. And world building at its finest. Yeah. It has, it has fast food restaurants and their rivalries. It has ghosts and folklore going on. It has superheroes and comics and like media that these characters appreciate. It feels enormous. And there's, there's so much to tap into in terms of humor and the things that we reference nowadays. It's just a juggernaut. It's huge. And Rugrats, I, I, it has some elements of that in like Reptar. I think a lot of people still really cling to the imagery of Reptar. I think we all sort of had a, a monster or a creature that we really loved as a kid, and uh, Reptar really captures that. But definitely, Rugrats, I, it it just might not have the scope. Yeah, really. No. Yeah. And, and in some ways, that's like fine because it is a very like controlled and like simple show in terms of like it's very just isolated. And like yeah. I think that's like it gets it. 
it allows you to get to know those characters in particular pretty well. Sure. But there is something to be said about just the world building of SpongeBob where like each character, like there's so, there's a vastness to it and you're always wanting to explore it a little bit further. Yeah. Um, we haven't even talked about Patrick yet. How amazing Patrick is. Oh, and the, the, no, the best friends, Patrick. the best friend <laughs> dynamic between SpongeBob and Patrick. I mean, it just warms my heart every time yeah. I think about it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's perfect. It's, it's the a two great... utter weirdos who like just relish in each other's company. Yeah. I mean, that's literally well what, said. isn't that what friendship is? Just two weirdos relishing in each other's company. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Yeah. I, I love those two as well. There's, Something very sweet about, you know, like, what do you do when I, when I'm at work, wait for you to come back. Yeah. Uh, I think, I, I, I think some of us will have uh, somebody in our lives, whether it's a friend or significant other, where just, we wait to see them during the day. And I, <laughs> I think SpongeBob and Patrick's relationship is genuine. It's, no, it really is. It's really great. They, as One you minute said, left. Mac, they own their weirdness. Absolutely. Yes. Is there anything comparable in Rugrats? Anything that compares to that relationship? I don't think so i don't think so too because like we're talking a lot about these like spongebob characters and like how distinct they are and i'm not saying rugrats doesn't have some fantastic characters yeah but overall i think there's like i obviously tommy the lead and then like a few of the other like angelica chucky Chucky and angelica but like you know their names but you can't tell at least at the top of my head like the distinct personality traits of each and every one of them I'd have to go back where it's right. like Spongebob I can literally tell you like who those people are just by you know you giving yeah. me the name yeah I, I I think that's that might be another fault of, of Rugrats here I know we haven't spoken much to its positives here but I think that's just because Spongebob is just, has so much to it but at, at a certain point Rugrats might just boil down to here are a bunch of kids playing and imagining which is great which has its value absolutely 10 minutes are up doesn't compare to the world that is Spongebob and Bikini Bottom. Definitely. Yes. All right. Well, what are you guys going with? I think it's pretty clear, but Spongebob. Spongebob. All right, man. Spongebob and Ren and Stimpy for the title right here, right now. Oh, man. For the title of the best Pickelodeon. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. You're fired. Um, I, am, fired. I am known for my dad buttons. Uh, all right. Well, let's get into it. Ren and Stimpy and Spongebob. For the championship, 10 minutes are on the clock. Oh, man. Starting oh, God. now. I'm scared. <laughs> me, me too. I, uh, I feel Ren like... and Stimpy. Okay. I'm going to say it. I, really? Ren I'm actually Stimpy. shocked. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit too. I think I might have to go to SpongeBob on this one. I know no matter what we choose here, we're going to make some people mad. All right. Well, let's oh. give Mac a chance to vouch because I think... Because I was expecting SpongeBob. I want to give have you have the podium for a few seconds and explain why Ren and Stimpy works better and why it should be the champion. Ren and Stimpy works better because it, it follows a follows part of the protocol that I like when it comes to cartoons is that it didn't, it didn't keep it. They did keep going at one point, but it was obvious when it wasn't working and then right. they did, they stopped it. And, it also is just so bizarre and absurd. And like we were just talking earlier about thinking about it, thinking about how how was this on daytime television for right. kids? Yeah. Because it's so wild and wacky. Yeah. And SpongeBob, it's it just has progressively gotten very gotten mm. very bad. And it's well, it's it's become a meme. It's become a giant meme, and I don't see many Ren and Stimpy memes. 
So that's true. I it's interesting to look at meme culture and like think, is this a meme because the content was good, or was this is this a meme because that's all there was to it and we just reduce it to jokes? It's interesting. I I see where you're coming from. Absolutely. When it comes to animation, go nuts. And Ren and Stimpy took that ball and ran with it. Took that nuts ball and ran. With it. Definitely. It's it, it's absolutely absurd, and it it can't it, it's unmatched in its absurdity. I love SpongeBob, and I think in concept at at the base level, when you think about a talking sponge, a talking squid, an ocean floor, and a in a place named Bikini Bottom, that's absolutely ridiculous. It is cartoony and silly, but I think it almost like started writing itself into a hole with all of its world building. We talked about that as an asset before, but maybe it's limiting itself a little bit in mm-hmm. saying, oh, because we're this, we can't do X. We can't do what Ren and Stimpy does because, oh, we've established ourselves as this brand, you know. So there's definitely some things that Ren and Stimpy do that SpongeBob can't, that no other cartoon can. <laughs> so I see where you're coming from. But I I can't help but stick with SpongeBob. That's fine. <laughs> it's so, so freaking funny. I think it is one of uh, one of my favorite elements of it is the songs. Ren and Stimpy had the happy, happy, joy, joy song, but SpongeBob had the campfire song, had I'm the, a goofy goober, had the, rip, the rip pants song that was written by member of the band, the dwarves. Really? Oh, yeah. That's amazing. I didn't know. Yeah. That. To anybody who, who knows the dwarves were like a, a punk band. Or they are a punk band that were very, they were relatively popular with some very bizarre um, imagery, including an album that features among other, among other things, uh, naked women covered in blood and uh, the main, the front man sodomizing a rabbit. Wow. Okay. And that's the guy who wrote the song rip pants. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think that speaks to my earlier point where everybody just wanted to be involved with SpongeBob and everybody could, because it was a big, huge complex sprawling world that allowed other people in. And I love, I'm a goofy goober. Well, of course, I'm a, I'm a twisted sister fan. I'll I'll admit that. So I uh, to see the song "I'm a Goofy Goober" taking a unique spin on the classic "I Want to Rock" was just a blast to see in that movie. Um, "Sweet Victory" for all, that song yes. that they sing during the band camp episode. Okay. I'm saying I'm changing my mind. <laughs> got him on the band camp. You episode. got you got me. Yep, yep. I, I I'd forgotten about that. Oh man, and sweet. Sweet, it's sweet favorite. victory. Favorite SpongeBob episode. Oh, you bastard! I know Ugh. that's like the- I, I. I have to go with like the, the first one that made me laugh out loud, and that was the the hash slinging slash. I was looking at that's mine too. God when when the Krusty Krab is open late and um, Squidward starts messing with SpongeBob, yeah. and yeah, yeah. I, I, I love the Bandcamp episode. That's why I landed on that one as as my last song that <laughs> I mentioned here. Also the Hall Monitor episode. Right. Well, oh, Hall yeah. Monitor. Honorable mention for me is the one where he gets the fake muscles and uh, then enters like the bodybuilding competition and oh, has to like so throw great. the anchor and he can't even like pick it up. <laughs> um, I always weren't, the, weren't the muscles just like marshmallows or something? They were oh, something no. like it was like it was like a blow up muscles. And he was trying to pick up marshmallows on the end of a stick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. Uh, it was fan- and he had to he had to pick up the drink from the bar. And uh, oh, we got five minutes left. Sure. Um, but he had to pick up the drink from the bar because he's acting all cool and he couldn't lift it. And they're like, <laughs> what's going on here? And he's just like sweating bricks and yeah Do you no. remember the, the the episode where he tries to get into like the the tough bar how tough are you yes yeah and yep. he like he he finally is able to prove himself 
and he falls, goes in, slips on an ice cube. Yep. One that I thought was really interesting, and it was not even focused on SpongeBob and Patrick, was the one where Squidward went to that like other community to live for a while. Like, because he was yeah. so fed up with uh, SpongeBob and Patrick that he got yep. this, like, I don't know, he got, like, a brochure or something, and he's like, I'm going to this, like, other community. I think there was other, like, squids there. Yeah. And then he got really sick of the repetitiveness. I thought it was just, like, another testament to, like, how great of a character Squidward is and, like, yeah. how you could honestly build an entire episode around him and, and make it interesting. I think that that's yeah. what really made Definitely. that 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 special yeah um another another great squidward episode is visually especially is the episode where he gets stuck in that in his locker at work and gets transported into like the clarinet world i remember that so okay so we even talked about how red and stimpy is really wild and unhinged and bizarre but that gets pretty dang close to the absurdity what was the episode with um the painting the squid paint squidward's painting Oh, that man. like I see everywhere. Oh, I, don't I don't remember. remember now. I know what you're talking about. Like yeah. that rings a bell, but I don't remember exactly what it entailed. And here's another really funny little bit is that when all the SpongeBob memes start up at my work, I have a coworker who every time he'll he he draws perfect SpongeBob. Oh, that's memes great. On our on our like drawing board and it's hilarious. I love it. Yeah. And that you bring up a good point in the in in the memes. Uh, we've debated whether that's a plus or a minus, but to me, I think it's a plus. I think it's fun to look back and see those special moments from SpongeBob where we laughed out loud and to apply them to our lives. Like the, I have $2 thing with, uh, with Patrick and with, with the little caveman from the, uh, from the time track. Yeah. From the yeah. time well, no, traveling no, no, episodes. That was caveman SpongeBob. SpongeGar yeah. was different. Yeah. Doodle Bob. Frank and yeah. Frank and doodle. Yeah. If you have, have any of you been to Mall of America? Yes. A I long had time Nickelodeon ago. Universe. You betcha. Have you done the, the I Rock didn't know Bottom Ride? Oh yeah. That's a pretty good one. It's I, I I had a lot like I had a lot of like I don't know. It's one of those. It's because of the space and like Bob America is huge, obviously, but because of the space, it's kind of hard to build like a really elaborate roller coasters mm-hmm. that are going to yeah. be unique and interesting. And I thought for the most part that Nickelodeon universe is pretty solid. I think that one's like a shining example of that, though, how it just goes completely straight down. And it's just like I've going up. It is just as terrifying as going <laughs> down. I always thought that was was uh, interesting about it. But yeah, no, I uh, think what was the other one? Oh, we haven't even talked about Sandy. How great of a right. character Sandy is. Yeah. When they go, um, I love all the episodes where she hibernates and like they both try to break in or whatever. Yeah. And uh, then she gets all like, you get like the big, like blown out <laughs> Sandy. Yep. Um, I like when they also go above water. I mean, yeah. obviously that's really awesome. And she's like an actual taxidermy squirrel on yep. a stick. Oh my so God. Funny. So great. Um, yeah, there's, I got it. And, like we're like blanking on other characters. I mean, Mr. Krabs is great. Um, who's the lobster? Larry, the lobster. <laughs> Living like Larry. Living like Larry. Bubble bass. Bubble, Bubble bass. bass. Yeah. Bubble bass, yeah, he was crazy. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier like the Flying Dutchman and the superhero side characters are great. I just, oh man, I know some people are gonna hate us for not for not giving more credit to Red and Stimpy though. It's, oh man, where do we? Yeah, we have we to. Well, let's let's hi- definitely highlight in these last few minutes uh, the pro or the, at least the last minute. We got about a minute left. Yeah. Last minute like pros of Red and Stimpy. I know. I think I think we're choosing SpongeBob, but I. Th- well, uh, some people I think argue that SpongeBob like 
just took up too much space on on Nickelodeon in terms of branding and in terms of runtime and that sort of thing. It's we get reruns all the time and it's still going. Whereas Ren and Stimpy, you know, as as Max as you've said, it had its time, stopped, and then I think left room for a lot more interesting provocative cartoons yes uh it's been reported that mike judge after seeing ren and stimpy was brave enough to propose beavis and butthead which Definitely. i think all of us love and then there even one might even argue that spongebob which is which has some provocative moments in it especially yeah. in its first couple seasons was influenced by ren and stimpy definitely so I think Ren and Stimpy maybe had more impact in a shorter time. Yeah. Uh, just the density of its impact. But SpongeBob yep. is still around yeah. and still making us laugh. Still relevant. Done. Yeah. We're good. Oh. Um, cool. That's 10 minutes down. Uh, I think it's pretty clear, though. SpongeBob. SpongeBob. Is the Dayton the best Piccolodian. Oh, my God. Get <laughs> the fuck out. <laughs> Congratulations, though. I mean... It, it's it's kind of it's it's kind of difficult to be. I feel like a lot of the time when we're talking about, no matter what the network, we're talking about shows that are gonna be like like when we're picking the best, we're picking ones, but they're always gonna be second to SpongeBob. I yeah. feel like a lot of the time we're feeling like the, the best runner up is always it, for like those conversations and how they go down when we're talking about like '90s cartoons and stuff because right. SpongeBob is just so iconic and so great definitely and there's just so much to talk about i mean how many of these these matchups did we just spend raving about how many different characters and how many different songs and how many different worlds there are within spongebob it's it's vast and i think it's it's earned its place yes the as the best piccolodian the the best cartoon show of the 1990s and nickelodeon fantastic so i i think if we move forward with discussions about cartoons, uh, Fairly Odd Parents and Jimmy Neutron are definitely some ones oh, we yes. have to mention. Uh, any others that you guys r- really want to talk like, about? For Nickelodeon in particular? Sure. Um, I mean, I honestly, could, honestly, those two are like the yeah. ones that really come to mind. How about you, Mac? I can really go on about Cartoon Network shows. That's yeah, I what I, I could, because like Ed, Ed and Eddie has always been my favorite. Nice. So yeah, I could cool. go on for ages about that show yeah yeah so and i know like we were talking about like it maybe doesn't hold up nearly as well but johnny bravo literally brought me to tears in terms of how many how many times i laughed at that show yeah. as a kid i don't know oh, why I, I i thought it was just so dumb and goofy that i was like my 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 young brain was able just to like turn off and just sure. like you guys remember <laughs> cow and chicken yeah oh yeah oh yeah. yeah what was the one with like the like the moose or whatever, or no, it wasn't the moose. Rocky and Bullwinkle? No, <laughs> that was that was that was that way was before nineteen. I was gonna say like, um, what the fuck was the name of it? it was like Waterloo or something or like, ah oh man, Ca- Camp Laszlo. Or Camp so- Laszlo. Yeah, Camp yeah. Laszlo. That was yeah, that one had like a, a monkey as the lead. I, I honestly don't remember. I'm probably completely misrepresenting that show, but I remember it was something weird like that. Yeah. Um, and that was another one that's on yeah. Foster's Home. Yeah. Foster's yeah. Home was great. Oh, yeah. that was good. Yeah. yeah. Powerpuff Girls, I love. Early loved. Teen Titans. Early Teen Titans is great. Powerpuff so Girls good. is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, I think that wraps it up. Yeah. We'll yeah. have to save this discussion of some Cartoon Network shows for next time. But we want to thank you guys all for listening to Who You Got. 
Hopefully you had SpongeBob at the top of your bracket. I want to give a special thanks to two people. First of all, Derek Ambrose, who helped prompt the uh, topic of this week. Uh, he had recommended 90s cartoons, and we ran some Nickelodeon cartoons, as you guys heard here today. And then I also want to thank my friend Jordan, who threatened me if I did not put Spongebob at the top of my bracket. <laughs> Thankfully, I think we talked it through. This was, he some... was not manipulated into choosing. Yes. <laughs> Jordan's been here this whole time He's just holding a weapon to me. He's just standing there menacingly. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Oh, that's a great, uh, what a great callback to end our episode on. Thank you guys all for listening. If you have any recommendations for the next topic of next month's Who You Got, feel free to comment on any of the Zima podcasting social media sites. We hope to hear from you guys soon. Thanks so much for listening.